Welcome to the Moffitt Method Podcast, where longtime strength conditioning coach Tommy Moffitt explores everything from the art of coaching, improving performance, sports nutrition, and mental training. Now, welcome your host, Coach Tommy Moffitt. Welcome to the Moffitt Method Podcast, and I am your host, Tommy Moffitt. If you are listening for the first time, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. For more information about the Moffitt Method Remote Speed, Strength, and Conditioning Program for teams, schools, sport organizations, and our new one-to-one remote coaching program for anyone interested in some serious hardcore training, please visit our website at themoffettmethod.fit or email us at info at themoffettmethod.fit. Our very special guest today is Coach Lance Barlow, Director of Strength and Conditioning for Football at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas. Coach Barlow heads into his second season as the Director of Strength and Conditioning on Joey McGuire's staff at Texas Tech. Coach Barlow arrived in Lubbock following one season at Baylor where he served as the Senior Associate Athletic Director of athletic performance for football. He concluded his tenure at Baylor with the Bears' victory in the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma State. Coaches worked in the Big 12 conference each of the past three seasons as he moved to Baylor after spending the 2020 season as the Associate Director of Strength and Conditioning at Kansas. Prior to Kansas, Coach was on my staff here at LSU from 2016 to 2019, rising from an intern to being named the Associate Director of Strength and Conditioning for Football in 2018. While at LSU, in addition to working with football, Coach Barlow worked with beach volleyball and soccer. In addition to his role at the collegiate level, He has four years of experience in the private sector as a sports performance coach in the great states of Wisconsin and Illinois. Coach is a veteran of the United States Navy, serving from 2007 to 2009, following a three-year career as a football letter winner at Carroll College in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where he completed his degree in exercise science in 2007. Lance and his beautiful wife, Katie, have three full-blooded young men, Brody, Lincoln, and Braxton. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Uh, Thanks for having me, Coach. Honored to be here. Yeah, good. I'm excited about this. This is going to be a great one. Uh, So let's get started with it right off the bat. um, What was it that motivated you to become a strength coach? Oh, man, it's a it's a great question. It's, um, you know, it's kind of it goes way, way back. I would say football is my first love and I fell in love with it when I was like a six, seven year old boy, Um, you know, a, a kid that just was a very physical uh, ball of energy and and found an outlet where I could go get after it and ran that through, uh, you know, all my adolescence and still that little guy's still in there somewhere. But, uh, you know, I 
<clears throat> I ended up hitting a kind of a rough patch, like eighth grade. Uh, you know, just a couple coaches were kind of misused me, and I ended up not knowing much better. I, I lost 30 pounds to play football in eighth grade, and then, uh, you know, the coaches were just kind of, kind of rough and tough on me, and I, I sort of lost my way for a little bit and fell into a rougher crowd and throughout my first few years of high school all I want to do is play guitar and and do do stupid stuff stuff that gets you nowhere and um going into senior year of high school uh the head football coach had been hounding my you know my dad and I for years to get me to play and my, my dad had been trying you know to get me going and I'd had a jaw surgery uh, go in my junior year and I came out of that a different kid kind of woke me up sort of uh, got, got me rolling in the right direction a little bit and got me interested in getting back after it. And, the the D line coach of my high school, uh, he just poured into me and, and for the first time in a long time, had somebody interested in, uh, me having a lot of potential and he got me back into football and without him, I wouldn't, uh, I would have never went to college and I don't know where I'd be now. And, uh, you know, he got me going and, and I, I started playing ball again and kind of turned things around and, when I got to college, I, uh, you know, for the first time in my life, had a strength coach, and that man, also a great, great man named Glenn Wright, poured into me, um, and and you know, early on in my my freshman year, was like, hey, have you ever thought of being a strength coach? Just based off how things were going in the weight room and how I I interacted with the guys and all that, and I was like, like, coach, I. I don't even, I didn't even know that was a career or anything. And he's like, well, what do you think I do? You know, and uh, kind of got me going and, and the strength and, and conditioning thought process. And within a week I called my dad, switched my major and never really looked back. And um, you know, the, the whole motivation of just pouring into other kids, like, you know, little Lance's and, and, you know, giving yeah. back to, you know, that is, is where it all, all manifests itself. And it's the motivation in yeah. the first place. So. It's where it started. What was your major before you switched it to exercise science? Uh, you you might not believe this, but it was uh, history. And um, you oh know, wow, it, yeah. Well, a, knowing yeah. you, I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's about it. the only other thing I've ever been interested in. Um, yeah. You know, from an educational yeah. standpoint. So, well, how did you get to where you are now at Texas Tech? Tell me how that all worked out. Well, uh, I don't know. It's been quite the path and road. It's I, a long story here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'll, I'll, I'll give the abridged version a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I I started uh, in strength and conditioning, um, you know, at, at Carroll where I went to school as a student. Uh, right when I got done playing ball, I, I, I like – student coached on the strength side there until I graduated. And uh, I picked up some pretty serious knucklehead tendencies in school and had to finish growing up. And I decided to enlist in the Navy. So, um, you know, I, I was on that path. And in order to finish and actually graduate school, I, at the same time, I had to do my internship for, um, for school to get, finish up my credits and get the degree. And just so happens right there in the same town that I went to school, um, one of the like first sports performance, private side, um, true athletic based places had opened up. Um, and a, a great man, great mentor of mine, 
along with you is a, a man named Brad Arnett. And he let me come and intern and, um, you know, a, a couple of my, my great friends and teammates that I, I played with were also into strength and conditioning and, and they started there as well. And we just kind of got it going. And over the course of that summer, he offered me a job and, you know, I reluctantly was, but at the same point in time, kind of, you know, knew what I had originally signed up to do and told Brad I had to go serve in the Navy first. And, you know, I, I loved it and was honored and all that. And he said, Hey man, that's awesome. I love it. And I support it. So why don't you go serve in the Navy? And when you get out, if you're still interested in being a coach, give me a call. So I went into the Navy, um, served in my time, got out and sure enough, called Brad and he said, well, hey, let's go. Let's get it going. You know, it had been two, three years and he, he said uh, he had a spot opening up in October and I, I think I got out in January or something. So I picked up a, a gig in Chicago uh, doing some sports performance stuff and then traveled up to Wisconsin when it was time and around the same time met my wife and got got that all started. And um, early on in the process there, I trained, uh, you know, I had the privilege of training Jake and yeah. he ended up chasing chasing his strength and conditioning career and he ended up down there by you and um you know it through all that time i actually got out of strength and conditioning when brody was born um because katie owned a business and it made more sense for us financially for me to run the business because she didn't want to go back to work after 12 weeks of mom leave and i got it and had to step up and do that and uh, wait what realized real quick that wasn't my yeah, can you tell us what that business was? Yeah, it was a doggy daycare. So <laughs> I, uh, I was running a doggy daycare, and um, yeah, fish out of water probably isn't the right term, but um, I did my best and realized realized quickly yeah. that wasn't my path. And um, yeah, Katie, <laughs> Katie decided to move to Florida. Um, so we we ran that business remotely and, and ended up selling it and moved to Florida and I just had a heck of a time finding work um, that I was yeah. going to stick to and all that. So it came down to the point where she told me to get back into coaching and I called called Jake and uh, I think it was in June of 2016 and August 1st of 2016 we we started at LSU as an intern and. Uh, got that going and loved loved it. Would, and you, would not be who I am without it. Go ahead, Coach. I'm sorry. No. Uh, and so to me, this is the best part about this entire story because how, how old were you when you called? This is the part that I love. Oh, man. So I got I to gotta do math real quick. Um, I, was, I must have been 2016. I was like, 30. I think I was 30 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you were 30 years old. Yeah. But you had two, two boys then, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Lincoln yeah. was a newborn. Uh, you know, he was, yeah. When we, he wasn't even a year old when we came. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, so you were 30 years old and you took a, an intern, a yeah. volunteer intern position at 30 with two kids and a stud for a wife. And that's the part that I respected so much for you because 
you knew what it was that you wanted to do and you dropped everything and came to Baton Rouge and except for Jake, you didn't know anyone. Yeah, that's correct. I, I you know, uh, having time to look back on it, you know, if I would thought a lot harder about it, maybe I would have freaked myself out. But at the time, um, in my gut, in my heart, I knew that it was what I had to do to, you know, provide for my family. And then, at the same point in time, um, you know, serve the purpose that I feel like I, I'm here to serve. Um, you know, it, and I came to that realization through doing stuff that <laughs> just trying to make ends meet and, and do what I thought was best for my family and pay the bills and realizing I was beating my head against the nail every day, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, Katie, without her being the rock star, absolute stud and, motivating i mean without her i'd i'd probably be face down in an empty pool somewhere like they say in uh old school but yeah she without her being the rock behind that we we didn't make we wouldn't have made it so it was awesome i'm so glad we did it cool all right so um what's the uh strength program look like now at texas tech so uh yeah the, the main reason um you know, I, I love this question is because it really, you know, the the program itself, um, you know, is a representation of everywhere I've been and, and everyone that's poured into me and everyone I've learned from. So like the Texas Tech strength program is it is Tommy Moffitt's LSU Tigers program. It is Coach Arnett's. Uh, you know, programs at next level in, in Minnesota and Arizona. It's, it's part of coach Ben and, and it's part of coach Vic and, and the, the stuff that, um, you know, I was able to experience and, and, uh, you know, throughout my journey and, and, you know, uh, absorb and see what, you know, why the, why all of those people are successful and, and the stuff that they put into, you know, their athletes and, and the things that they apply and, and use and, stuff that works so well. And we try and craft a, a program that pays, you know, homage to those things and, and, um, you know, does respect by them. And, and we use the stuff that, uh, you know, we think is, is going to be best. And at, at the end of the day, you know, that all being said, where's a quote on the wall, uh, in the back of the weight room that says, you know, uh, strength is king. And, uh, you know, there's no excuse for the lack of it. So we, we go ahead and, and get after it. And we've tried to build a, a program that is based, you know, mainly in the fact that you have to be strong to play football and be an athlete and work capacity is key. And everything that we do is, is, uh, you know, stapled in those two um, tenants. And then we, you know, build off that. And of course, you know, put some performance-based stuff to it. But yeah, I mean, I, at the end of the day, um, I don't think anybody, I don't know if there's a term you put on it, but uh, uh, the tech program is a, it's a conglomerate. It's a, it's a, you know, a, a stew of all the, the great stuff that I've been able to be a part of. You, you talked about this and uh, some of the uh, correspondence that we've had and uh, what is the, our own principle and how do you apply it uh, in the strength and conditioning program? Yes, sir. So, I mean, uh, the fir first off, you know, the our own principle, it's, 
it's really the the term that I could come up with, um, you know, in my limited intelligence and vocabulary, but it's, um, it's really just the form of the golden rule. And I think the success that uh, we have as a staff and a, a program in building trust and harboring culture and just getting, um, you know, results and pushing kids to their potential is in what I call our, our own principle. And really all it means at the end of the day is that every kid that comes into that weight room is going to be treated the exact same way I would want my own son's strength coach to treat them. And, um, you know, I, I hammer that into the guys that I'm blessed to work with and they take it very serious and our players feel that. And I, I do think that the, the, you know, the success that we have and the, the willingness guys are, you know, to, to come out and get after it for us is based in that. And um, I think it's really cool. And I think it's something that's non-negotiable. And, uh, you know, I, I wish everybody, you know, lived by it. it it's, it's something that uh, is important to us, you know. Yeah, it helps with buy-in and kids respect you and will jump on a sword for you when you're tr- when they're treated that way. So, all right, talk about the direction uh, that strength and conditioning is going and how you and the staff at Texas Tech are navigating that change kind of, you know, in the strength and conditioning world as it is today? Yeah, this one's, uh, I mean, it could be quite the rabbit hole, um, depending on the mood I'm in, you know, at the time, uh, my change, how, um, I don't know, passionate or, or negative or positive I get towards this. But, um, you know, the, the biggest concerns we see, you know, in strength and conditioning as a whole is, I don't know, I would guess, I guess the best way to put it is um, a lack of true meaning or direction um, in training and people trying to reinvent the wheel. And the, the things that I think a lot of people are missing out on is, you know, the, the actual minutia and fight that has to go into navigating an eight hour compliance week or, um, you know, the, the efficiency that has to go into that and the thought that has to go into it, into it and simply posting something on Instagram or Twitter about, a you know, some sort of concept or neat exercise that might, you know, train one emphasis or variable that, um, you're chasing, you know, doesn't mean that it's going to do anything to move the ball forward for a football team or whatever program you might be training. Um, so I think what what I would say the my staff and and um, you know and I what we struggle with the most is strength and conditioning lacking. Uh, yeah, I guess what would the best word be like some true um, I like roots like pride like sticking to the the things that really really matter and um, you know the just seems to be a a strain away from strength as a, as a true um, staple and pillar of the, you know, like if we want to talk about the performance pyramid, same thing with work capacity and people are chasing cool instead of 
um, worrying about training kids to be their absolute best. And in that, when they chase, you know, the neat exercise or the feel good or, or, um, you know, whatever the next coolest corrective is or whatever people are, are looking at, like, are you actually really preparing a kid for, for football and life, uh, in those things? And I, I just, there's so many days where I, I just don't see that and I don't feel it and uh, it bothers me. Um, and it's a huge concern. And I just would really encourage coaches to make sure that they really know what they're trying to do and trying to achieve and just really dig in and, and figure out what, you know, you stand by and are staples of, and just you know try not to get lost in, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff you got to wade through these days. So make sure you got nice, nice big boots that can step in some deep stuff and, you know, you can make your way through to the other side. Yeah. You know, in Anatoly uh, Bunderchuk's uh, text, the transfer of training, um, you know, it, now granted it is for track and field. Okay. From, from uh, the shortest sprints uh to the vertical and horizontal jumps through middle and long distance runs and the throws. There isn't a lot of variability between uh, the number of exercises uh, that uh, success is related to. In other words, the when you read those texts, it's very narrow. Um in the exercises that transfer to track and field and track and field is a very uh, a very streamlined sport you know where people specialize in a particular skill and it's more finite you know than i think football you know because football is a chaotic environment with lots of stuff going on and i think the the target is a little more broad in, in the sport of football than it is in track and field. But the traits that are required to, to be successful are very similar from the throws all the way down to the sprints. Yet the selection of exercises is so narrow. And, you know, and, and when you read the background of those texts, uh, there was a lot of work that he put into that. And it's scientific work. But when you look at what some people do for the sport of football, the spectrum of exercises and means that they employ is vast. And sometimes I wonder how you get all of that done. Me on the outside looking at social media and listening to some of the podcasts and stuff that that I do. And I mean, I don't have anything else to do but sit and read most of the time. But it's people's philosophy and the the means again that they employ is so vast. I sometimes wonder how they get that done in two hours a day. And and then when you have football that you have to contend with now, when you have football practice. If your football program, if your football coach and staff is going to practice for an hour a day during the off season, that only gives you one hour a day to train. And when your catalog of exercises and drills is as vast as some seem to be, I don't know how you 
um, uh, hang your hat on on anything that's going to move the needle per se. And that's that's where I am right now. I'm kind of in a similar boat as you are. And that's why I think this is such a good question, because I will often wonder, you know, and for instance, like our program, the Moffitt Method, um, I mean, we sit down all the time as a staff and as a team and try to um, make sure that we're offering the very best product that we can and the selection of exercises and means that we employ is very minimal, I think. And as much good stuff as you see on a daily basis, again, I just don't see how you can get all of that stuff done. Well, and I think, I mean, you said it infinitely better than me, coach. And, and the, the thing that I really love is hang your hat. Like the, the problem I see, like you're saying, with so many strength and conditioning you know, programs and the stuff that you see out there is like, what are they really hanging their hat on? And at the end of the day, because of the, there's so many variables you have to work around and plan for in college football, like let's get our guys as strong as they could be in as good a shape as possible. And at the end of the day, that's why we are called strength and conditioning coaches. And, you know, the, you could break it down into, you know, a, a myriad of, of emphasis and, uh, variables and things that you want to train and hit and all this. But if you're getting your guys really strong and you're getting them in really good shape, you should be covering most of that stuff in the first place. So, you know, yeah, it just, it, it just seems like there's uh, an overabundance of choices. And I know there's a million ways to skin the cat, but um, I just can, I'm just worried and concerned that kids aren't getting the, absolute best that they should be because we're more worried about reinventing the wheel than we are about getting after it. Um, so in, in the off season, like uh, in the winter and in the summertime, how much skill development work uh, did your staff do? Did they do as much as uh, we did when you were here at LSU? Did they do more? Did they do, did they do less? How much of that type of work? This past off season, um, in the once we started football school, which I want to say was in February, they were doing up to two hours a week, so two one-hour sessions. So that took us down to six hours of training, um, which was fine. I mean, we we made the most of it. Um, so not as much as 2019, because if I remember right, um, I mean, we like they we did a bunch of skill training, so much so that. Our, our, our running program had to adjust. Um, it was one point in time where I think we weren't running much because they were getting, they were, they were getting yeah. it. So, um, well, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. When you, when you track them, you, you know that they're, as long as they're running fast at practice and pra the length of practice and the duration of work is, um, applicable to the sport, then, uh, you have to let that be. Yep. and do what you can to put the very best product on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were So so how much No, uh uh no. Uh that's the you know, that's the problem with doing things remotely like we're doing now, you know, so uh when you're sitting in front of one another, your conversations flow a lot easier sometimes, but 
especially if there's a little bit of a delay. Now, (laughs) I'm not showing it right now, but about 20 minutes before we started this recording, our Wi-Fi in the house went out. So (laughs) I didn't have any Wi-Fi. And so uh, Aaron... (laughs) Aaron was working out in the garage today uh, and he was using, so I got me a perch unit in the garage now. So Aaron was smashing weights. I was up here doing some stuff. And the garage is right (laughs) underneath me. So it was boom, boom. And so I didn't think anything about that or um, I didn't know Brady. Brady actually came by here last night because he's living in the dorms at LSU, and so I think he had some tough home, you know, some math homework because he's 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 in a tough degree field. So he came by here last night for some peace and quiet to do some math homework. But something messed up our Wi-Fi. I don't know what it was. Um, so like again 20 minutes before this i was in total panic mode so i went through the house i turned anything that required wi-fi off i restarted my computer uh we have a uh re we have you know because you know how our house is the wi-fi thing router is on the other side of the house so we have like this booster halfway between upstairs here and where that is so i reset that i restarted my computer and so i'm sitting here while we're doing this looking at the wi-fi i'm probably jinxing myself uh but you but when you do something (laughs) like this remotely sometimes the conversation uh is a little tougher than you and i kick back in the office talking training so oh yeah uh, but Absolutely. I don't have yeah, a lot of conversations with headphones on my head. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Me either. So, uh, so <laughs> let me ask you this about, about the technology that y'all use and tracking. Do y'all do as much as we did at LSU or do you do as much as some of the other people are doing? How do y'all manage the, uh, tracking the athletes there with technology? Great, great question, Coach. Yeah, we uh, so we we fully invested in catapult GPS units, um, and every player on the roster wears one, and that has a lot to do with um, trying to promote practice habits. And we big on tracking uh, velocities and efforts and and those type of things, which I'm a huge proponent of. It's worked really well. It's it's helped us build a you know, a solid off-season running program. You know, we really have things that we can can track and work towards. Uh, but in the weight room, you know, uh, I was so lucky and, and blessed to be at LSU and exposed to technologies. And, you know, you gave me, you know, put me in charge of running the, the uh, four stacks and the jumps and stuff. So I had some good exposure to those things and using all the the velocity-based training methods that we, we dove into. And as we started, um, you know, building a program here and looking to what we wanted to do and, and use, I, none of it, I didn't need, I didn't need to jump them. We have force plates in the training room. So if, if, um, you know, we, we can get that done in there, they have a Nord board in there. So we get it, we get that done in there. 
Um, and then from a training standpoint, I started diving into velocity based methods and, uh, nothing, nothing wowed me enough or was so much, um, you know, such a no brainer to me that, that we ended up choosing to do anything. And the main, you know, one of the main reasons was, uh, efficiency and, and, you know, I, I drove me nuts to look around and see a coach with their nose in their phone or, players farting around on iPads instead of just getting after it. And, um, at the end of the day, you know, and God bless love Tendo units, but they're breaking left and right and stuff like that. So, um, I, uh, we go strictly percentage-based training in that regard. And I, I'd like to think my coaches are trained well enough and good enough to tell if a bar is moving fast or not. Um, you know, so we kind of navigate that and then, yeah, the training room um, kind of takes care of some stuff for us. But yeah, I just, there's, there was no technology out there at this moment that I thought uh, with the culture that we're trying to build and the way we're trying to coach that, that worked enough for, for, to validate, you know, for me to validate going out and getting, um, and it's not that there's something I wouldn't get. It just, that's not where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Uh, especially when you look at your staff. Um, I mean, we, we had a big staff at LSU. So, you know, all of those responsibilities were spread out among a bunch of people, but um, we did, I, I, I would imagine that you do not have a sports science director. And like you said, a lot of it's handled in the training room. So that makes it a lot, there's a lot less work that you and your staff have to focus on and it allows you to focus more on the product, you know, and your clients, the football players, which I understand. Yes, sir. Um, and I know, um, I know the professional that you are. And, you know, one of the things that always impressed about impressed me about you was how in tune you were to the people that you trained. And when someone was lacking eccentric strength, um, you immediately employed those means to that individual. If somebody needed isometrics, you would immediately employ that. If someone needed some explosive work, you would always employ that immediately. And some people don't possess that ability, that innate ability to know when there is a certain quality that uh, an athlete is missing on and they don't know how to, uh, to adjust that, uh, the means. And I always thought you did a good job. So you're basically doing that now for the entire football team there, correct? With your staff. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, it, it is something that we try to employ, you know, team-wide. And, um, you know, it, I struggled at first mightily with the concept of not having my own racks um, as a as a head strength yeah. coach, you know, just because yeah. that's how I came up, you know, I, yeah. always coaching. And um, yeah. that's what I love to do. And But I ended up deciding that it was in the best interest of the program if I – delegated the racks out entirely and then kept my eyes on everyone the best that I could so that I could continue to do those type of things 
on a team-wide basis and, you know, and help, help my, you know, help my coaches learn that, Hey, this dude needs this, or this guy needs that. Here's why let's, let's employ those things. Um, you know, it, it's working out. Yeah. That's, uh, and that's why I did it. You know, if I were, um, if, if I were coaching, you know, and, you know, I coached a lot of the guys, I did the rehab for a lot of the guys, but when I was standing back doing rehab with somebody, I could always, uh, I, I could easily watch the room. Um, and it was always hard for me to be dialed in with one or two guys, knowing that there were 25 to 30 other guys in the room that I wasn't able to watch and see. And so it was always comforting to me knowing that I had assistant coaches like yourself and uh, the rest of the guys um, that were in the room. And so I felt comfortable being able to run down there and coach a receiver and then run back and coach an old lineman and then run and coach a defensive defensive back versus being dialed into my four or six or eight guys that I had on my rack. So, yeah, that's the way I felt too. Well, how is programming um, in year two compared to your first year at Texas Tech? Has there been any changes? Yes, sir. It, it, the, uh, you know, the biggest thing going into year one is – I mean, you, you got to get going and you, you don't have time to take a whole month to, you know, break it down and, and figure out exactly what you need. You got to start establishing culture. You got to set standards, you know, you, you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta come in there and get after it and kind of get to know your guys on the fly a little bit. And, uh, you know, knowing what we wanted to do and what kind of culture we were trying to build and the, the, blueprint of a program that we wanted that's how we implemented year one and after year one you know I I felt it was really important to take a big step back and look at what we did well what we didn't do well what we downright stink at um you know and and write year two based off that I uh I do believe wholeheartedly and like never copy paste um because I just feel like I'm not giving people my best if I just year one is year two and week one is week two and that kind of thing. So always trying to do better and, and reexamine and, you know, look at what we did well, what we didn't and adjust. And um, so year two, I felt like was a lot different from year one, just because we had the culture established, we had a foundation of a program and then we could really start to hone in and hammer on what we didn't do well the year first year and get better at it year two. Um, and I thought we had great results. I was, I was very, very happy with it. I think a lot of it was, uh, you know, we had to get better in positions. You know, we weren't necessarily very strong off the floor. So we, we took the time and dialed that down in the winter and just got really strong pulling off the floor and really strong. We used, uh, you know, we used isometrics. We did halting pulls, you know, some stuff that, uh, you know, I tried to pull out of your bag and, you know, coach Hatch's bag. And, and, uh, because of that, we had a, we had 22 more guys clean over 300 pounds than we did last year, you know, uh, which I, yeah, I mean, I really fired up about it and it was really neat to see, to see the results because you put in the work. Um, now 
it's got to translate to get better football, but, um, you know, at least it worked, it worked in the weight room. So just small stuff like that. And then we had too many shoulder injuries. So like, what are we, what are we doing, you know, to, to get better there and, and, and those type of things. It was, it was considerably different yeah. year one to year two. Uh, did y'all uh, go to the portal? Uh, did y'all have a lot of transfers or how did that work? Um, we had a number, you know, uh, coach McGuire is a high school guy. So, um, you know, the, the bulk yeah. of our recruiting will always be high school based, uh, which is awesome. You know, I, I love it, but we did have needs. Yeah. Um, Cause you develop your players. Yeah. And you, I mean, you, you know, you, you get them from day one and, and you get to, you know, get to know them so well and get after it and be a big part of their life and stuff. And, uh, but we did, we did go to the portal, um, to fill in some needs and, and, and develop, you know, positions and depth. And, uh, those guys have all been great. Loved them. Um, and they, they, to their credit, they did a great job buying in and, and filling right in. Yeah. All right. I got a programming question for you. Um, and I've asked this question a couple of times because, um, you know, we did it a lot of different ways at LSU and I've done it a lot of different ways in my career. But when programming for the team, do you do all of that work yourself and then present it to your staff to discuss? Or do you break it up, up among the staff members and then y'all sit down together as a group and marry the different areas? Uh, do a combination of uh, both. So for, let's call it the general population, um, so the main program of our team, I do do all of that. I do, yeah. I do that programming, um, you know, and I, I, it fires me up. It's something I'm always really excited to do. And, uh, you know, and what I, I do like to do is bring my ideas to my staff and bounce them off of them and ask for feedback. And what I've noticed in those meetings so far in the first two years is I usually get um, that sounds great, coach. And so what I've tried to do is on one one on one, you know, more individual basis, like I'll go to I'll go to Aaron, you know, who you, you know, well, um, and on a one on one, him and I will talk more about ideas. And I feel like I get a lot more, um, you know, great feedback and collaboration that way than in the group setting, because I just, you know, maybe the guys aren't comfortable yet. Um, and that, and that way, and that's fine. You know, they're awesome. I, I absolutely love my guys. They're, they're the best, but we, I think we, that's, that's something that I'm going to talk to them about maybe improving, just giving me, don't be afraid to hurt my feelings. Like, let's go, uh, let's do what's best for the guys. But, and then for our developmental squad. So like all of our, um, you know, like our freaky Friday lifts and, and their entire in season program. I do let Aaron does all of that. I let him like, whatever he wants to do. Um, and that's for, you know, to help build buy-in, but like let him develop, um, you know, and he, he's, he's the absolute best. I, you know, I, I don't know where I'd be without him, but he, uh, he kills it and uh, he really gets absolute yeah, stud. I know you, you and coach Ben talked about him on, on that uh, episode, but yeah, he's, he's the greatest, but he, um, so he does all that. And then I have another, a young man on staff named Brandon Musgrave, and he does all of our RTP, and he does a phenomenal job. He's very gifted, 
very smart, very intelligent um, in his in his progressions and training, and he does a phenomenal job of getting those guys back better than they were before. And he also um, programs for our quarterbacks and our specialists. And then I try and build in into the program that I designed. So he's your Trav, huh? He is. He he could he hey, could beat so up Trav. He's your, he, he's your Trav. Yeah, he's he's my Trav. He's my Trav. <laughs> he he can outlift Trav too. Uh, right? Splitter, they'd go. They'd get. It'd be close, but I think the Colonel would still have him. Um, but. Yeah. But, but, uh, yeah, uh, Brandon played for Coach Vic at Florida State. Um, we call him Scrat, but yeah, he's okay. He played linebacker, so he's, yeah, you know, I know Trav's a scrappy dude, but Scrat would get after him a little bit, yeah. Um, the Colonel, Colonel, but uh, yeah, so (laughs) I try and in, in my general pop program, I try and put little things in there that let you know, my coaches have some creativity and ownership, even if it's just like, Hey guys, today I want, I want you guys to pick out the bicep work, whatever elbow care you do. I want you to do it. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do you, but I want you guys getting after it or whatever. Um, you know, like, Hey, let's get something in for upper back today. You guys pick it, you know, and each guy gets to do their own thing. And I, I think that helps with a little bit of ownership and, you know, just little, little things, but, um, you know, that's how I kind of like to do it. Cool. Um, can you talk about your winter program and how that winter program sets you up to transition into the more intense summer preseason type program? How do you do that? Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, coming off of year one into year two and then, you know, be like, Go the same thing, same kind of process going from year two to year three. You know, what do we need to get better at right away? You know, what do we need to hit reset on? And then what do you want the summer to look like? Like, what are you trying to set up for? So yeah. knowing that in the, to begin with, like that's, that's, you know, step one, how are you going to build the winter? And, yeah. uh, you know, right off the bat, knowing that there's going to need to be a, healthy dose of work capacity put back into the program as you lose some of that in season. I don't think the way that we get after it or the tempo that we work at suffers at all in season, but you need to, you need to get that dialed back in and go on full speed. So winter program, you know, with a healthy dose of work capacity and then the, um, you know, resetting and making sure we're starting back over from, making sure that strength is king and getting a nice healthy dose of strength going into spring and uh you know getting guys feeling good again you know feeling like feeling like athletes that can get after it in the weight room as opposed to guys that have just spent the last you know 14 weeks playing football every day and and you know the 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 consequences of that so um you know you kind of build it that way and and make sure that you're uh you know, getting strong again, getting, getting, you know, back into really good shape and put on size, you know, like we're not afraid in the winter to, you know, basically get some of that traditional bodybuilding stuff going again and, and making sure guys are putting on some mass and, and looking good. And, you know, uh, you know, they, they're getting ready for the beach basically. And you kind of set those things up and, um, you know, that way in the summer you can get real performance based and, 
and rip rip some power out and get those guys ready to repeat that play after play after play. All right, so let's go to the summer running program, okay? So uh, in five seconds, I'll just say, can you talk about your summer running program and how you get it up, uh, how you get it up, how you set it up, and what a week might look like, okay? You ready? All right, so can you – Talk about your summer running program and how you set it up and what a week might look like for y'all during the off season. Absolutely. So, um, you know, in my time at Baylor, uh, I got obviously got to work with coach Vic and, and, um, he did some really cool stuff with the, the GPS data and, and how he applied it and used it to build a summer running program. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought it made a ton of sense to me. And, so I applied um, some of those concepts uh, when we got here and especially this summer after, you know, having played, you know, one, one year's worth of uh, having collected one year's worth of data. So we knew exactly what our yardages looked like for a tough Tuesday practice. And then, you know, what that, how that correlate to what a game looked like for our skill guys and mid skill guys and, you know, the bigs. So we built, um, we built out a, a basic, you know, I guess you'd call it a tempoed running program where, um, you know, once a week we were just going to accumulate those yardages in the same way that the guys accumulate them at practice. So, you know, as we know that 7,000 yards of, you know, um, you know, distance at practice is going to be made up of walking, sprinting, and jogging. So we, you know, looked at what that looked like. And then we built a program to achieve that kind of distance prior to the start of season so that our guys were already used to and had been accumulating yardages at a slightly more demand than they'd have to get in a hard Tuesday practice so that they'd be prepared for it. And I think, you know, uh, you know what we've seen so far is a pretty significant decrease in soft tissue injuries and uh, in particular on the hammies. And I think, you know, we're onto something in, in that regard, just because it makes sense. Like you're actually preparing them for their demands. Um, so we did that. And then we coupled that with, um, you know, a, a, you know, a true acceleration deceleration day that looks as much like what they are asked to do from a position standpoint. So, you know, our wide receivers are doing things that are like routes and our DBs are doing things that are like covering and breaking on the ball, you know, and linebackers are scraping and sprinting and, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, then once they, once they ramp up their seven on sevens and football schools and stuff, that day kind of goes away. Um, and then we, you know, we're, uh, we're going to do some really, really hard stuff on Fridays and we got the sleds out in the heat and did our power conditioning, just like, you know, uh, you know, some Fridays back in the day at LSU and, uh, you know, it was awesome. They had, boys are in shape. Tough. Yeah. Um, you know, Vic is, uh, you got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, he, uh, like Florida state, uh, Vic and Joe Danos and, you know, Joe is now at the Denver Broncos. They were the first university to have catapult in the U S and, 
I don't know that there's anybody in college football that has more experience working with Catapult than Vic. And the way that man can manipulate Excel is unbelievable. And I don't know who y'all have there uh, that does your uh, reports. Is it you or do you have somebody else that does your Catapult report? No, we, we actually um... – we have a we have a young man that uh, gives us it gives it his all every day and, and runs that for me because yeah I mean as you know wow that's not necessarily my strength um, I struggle <laughs> I struggle connecting these headphones to Bluetooth but um, you know uh, you're like me yeah <laughs> but yeah uh, his. He goes by JT, but his name's Robert Torres. He does a phenomenal job, works his tail off, and um, gets all that done for me. And for you to be able to do that uh, like you're doing, you've got to have somebody that that can handle the spreadsheets and and break that down. So that's awesome, man. That's really cool. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it took me getting a little bit out of my comfort zone to get it going, but like you said, you know, uh, I, I was very, very fortunate to be able to uh, collaborate with Coach Vic and work under him for a year and, and really see that put to work. And uh, he put me in charge of it, which was which was awesome, just, to, you know, from the standpoint of having to dive into Excel and look at those things and, and do it. So it, it was it was it was awesome experience. And that's why we do it at, uh, at Tech. All right. So how do y'all manage in-season training? And uh, what do you do to continue to develop your players while preparing for games and competing in the Big 12? Anything that y'all do there that's different than what you've done in the past? Uh, yes, sir. So, you know, great question. And it starts, um, you know, I'm very so – blessed to work for an awesome head coach who loves the weight room um you know, dating back to the fact that he you know he had 23 years as a high school head fo- you know football coach and um you know I had to run the weight room in the powerlifting program himself and stuff at times so he really appreciates what we do and lets me get after it and um it's he makes the weight room very important so um the way things work for us is we get them on Sundays uh, you know, after the game, um, their day off is Monday. And that's because um, because of med check. So the fact that, you know, the way coach looks at it, if they have to come up for med check on Sunday, regardless, we might as well make that a whole work day. And then on Monday, if a player chooses to stay out of the building, he, ab- he absolutely can. Now we encourage them to come back up and watch some film and, you know, do some extra and whatnot. But, um, you know, they have that option. So we get after it on Sunday and, um, you know, it's, I would call it our, it's like a high, high, higher force day. We're going to load them, um, you know, and they're going to actually move something at intensity. Uh, I'd like to use chain squat or a sumo deadlift just to one, we're either going to move them, uh, through a full or, you know, a large range of motion, but we're going to deload the bottom of that movement. That's why we use the chains, uh, or, yeah, yeah, I like that. And then I like the, that. With the sumo, uh, shorter range of motion, so uh, we can we get, the intensity's a little higher on the sumo days. We wave that, and then try and 
you know, we, we, we load it up and, and try and get a, this grip, that grip, this grip, that grip and stack it and get all their yeah. back stuff going and yeah. get some elbow care and some neck and a little post chain, um, before they get Monday off. And then on Tuesdays after immediately after practice, we get an extra lift with the developmental squad, which is awesome. Um, and that's, that's usually a higher velocity day, lighter, lighter load, lighter intensity, just because they're coming right off the field, but it's great. We get to hone in technique and they, you know, they, we work on split jerk and get them better at things that we need to improve on. Um, Wednesday morning, we get, you know, similar to a lot of places we have groups based off academic schedules and that's a, that's going to be a, you know, a power production day for us. And then we come back and we load the upper body, um, and we get some good work up. You know, I, I like to do varying levels of bench press, uh, just to kind of change it up and, and work in ranges in working movements that are similar to what the demands of the game are. Uh, and then we come back and do something more traditional, close grip. And then, um, on Friday, we do our freaky Friday lift, which is usually a tempo squat and a hinge. And then we have that fast Friday where we get the central nervous system fired up for the the boys that are going to play, um, which is, it's been outstanding. Uh, and we, you know, we really appreciate the fact that we get to load them a little bit the day before a game, um, you know, so that they're fired up and working and ready to roll. So it sounds like, um, especially on Monday and then on, uh, with your bench, you're doing some conjugate stuff where you're switching up the exercises weekly and how you load them. Um, and I like, uh, the idea of the chains. So, uh, they're not being heavily loaded in the bottom position of the squat, but they're still getting some work. And then you come back the next week with the sumos and stuff. So any trap bar pulls, cause I know you like the trap bar, um, any trap bar pulls or safety squats in there also? We, um, we do have trap bars, uh, the ones that we inherited here are those wider gripped ones. I don't love yeah. them. Um, yeah. You know, I, going into the new facility uh, next year, we're going to have some more of the like true narrow hexed bars. We probably use those a little more. Um, but yet, the um, you know, I I do enjoy and, and love the the trap bar. Um, you know, for all intents and purposes, but we're not using it this in season just because the implement we have isn't great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't like those big wide ones either. I don't, I, I just didn't feel like you were as, um, as, uh, it's not as a strong a position as the, the narrower grip. I completely agree. I feel like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that talk about it, you know, being better for this, better for that. As soon as I feel like the starting position they get in, they're somewhat compromised, no matter how good a lifter or how yeah. strong through the core. It just got, every time we use them, somebody says something about this or that. And yeah. I just I haven't yeah. enjoyed them. You know? What about safety bar squats? We do. Um, we've done some Anderson stuff where the, you know, we get the rack, you know, the safety pins out and they, you know, out of a quarter squat or half squat or whatever, we'll use the safety bars. And then, um, you know, we've done like our RT pro, RTP program uses them a ton for like Hatfield step ups, you know, where we can overload 
those just to get a guy going again. And, you know, all our guys that, you know, you know, get a cast for a thumb or something like that, they're, they're squatting with them. Um, and then I like taking the handles off and using them for JM press. So like using the safety squat bar for, uh, you know, a, a loaded tricep movement, I think it's, it's been great. The guys really like it. So kind of get after it and get jacked that way. All right. Now, what about soft tissue stuff? Um, do you still, do you still pin those guys down and put hands on them like you did? Um, Cause I thought that was another uh, of all the people that I've ever had work for me. Uh, you were probably better at that than anyone that I've ever worked with. Um, it was just uh, really neat to see uh, the type of work that you did on. Now they didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> but are you still doing that or an FRC? We, uh, well, I appreciate the, a compliment on the hands-on stuff. Some of it might be the, I don't know, the sadist in me, I guess, just kind of digging into guys. But, <laughs> but uh, I do think, you know, to be, be fair and give credit where credit's due. I think Jake got really, really, really good at some of that ART yeah. stuff too, better than me. And he could really find a hip flexor. Well, uh, which is tough to do considering some of the guys we're digging into, yeah. but uh I do. If, if I really think a guy needs it, um, you know, especially like rib one compression, if, if a guy's real tight through the trap or neck and, and I know, you know, I'm 100% sure that it's not a issue that, you know, we could be compounding. Um, I'll dig in on there. And then we've done a couple hip flexors, but we, um, we have an athletic trainer here at tech who's, who like, is a, a great like chiropractor type. So, um, Oh, wow. Yeah. He, he's my go-to, um, unless I, unless it's something that I, I know I can get, um, I send him, mm. I send him his way just cause I think he does a better job. Um, it's good. Yeah. yeah. It's good. And, um, as far as FRC goes, we do use it at the hip and the shoulder, um, for yeah. the, for the full range axials. Now, yeah. For like RTP purposes or, um, you know, uh, there's a guy I notice he's just a little glued up or hemmed up or something somewhere. I might try something to get him going. But um, as far as implementing it on a team wide basis, like pails and rails and stuff, we're not doing any of that uh, just because of efficiency. And, you know, like I don't have 10 minutes a lot of times to do it, you know. Uh, really, um, you know, really <laughs> understanding the, you know, the, the position I'm in now, the type of faith you had in us to, to do something like that, you know, and let us go learn it and, and implement it team wide and have that success. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm at a point where I could do something like that, and, you know, so really appreciate that. But yeah, the, um, we do use it for full range just to get like in a warm up, you know, get guys through full hip, internal, external, and yeah. then off we go. All right. Can you discuss, uh, well, I got two things I want to talk about. I want to go a little more in depth about coach McGuire because, you know, I always like to do a little bit of research on, I didn't have to do a lot of research on you because I know you really well, but I always like to look into the program and, um, uh, 
just because that's the type of person I am, you know, and knowing that that guy coached high school football as long as he did and being as successful as he was uh, at it uh, speaks volumes uh, for him as a coach. And, you know, he only had four years of coaching in college before being named as a head coach. And a lot of that has to do with the respect that he has from everyone in the state of Texas. And, you know, Texas loves their high school football. Um, So can you talk about him and discuss along with that, how y'all went about building your team culture, you you know, and the thing that was impressive and I want to make sure I'm correct last year, y'all beat Texas and Oklahoma. Correct. And that was the first time in the history of the program. It's correct. 100% and, correct. Yeah. And they've been playing football there a long time. And long so time. that, yeah. So that guy has done something special. Um, and, you know, it takes longer than uh, 13, 14 games to build a program. But uh, so far, you know, eight and five last year, that's, that's special. Uh, so can you talk about him some more um, and then how all of that plays into building culture? Um, and uh, I think that w- that will finish up because we've been going, you know, in addition to some technical difficulties that we're not going to discuss. <laughs> but can you talk about that? Absolutely. I mean, I'd love to. Um, so, Coach. Coach McGuire, um, in a lot of ways, honestly, uh, I mean, I guess a good way for to help you understand, like, I think you two would be like best friends. Like you guys, you know, he reminds me a lot in ways, um, things that are important to him, things that he, you know, wants to, um, you know, get through to a team and, and, you know, if a team represents, you know, what, what they put on film is a representation of us and, and the way that his team behaves is a representation of him. I feel like, you know, you, you guys are very similar in that way. And, you know, you're always trying to, you know, mean, tough, nasty, and, and just being a team of high character and care factor, like very similar in that regard. But um, who, who he is, is what you see. I mean, he's like the, like the realest, the realest guy. Um, he's so, he's so down to earth and just like, I mean, he's, he's a, his people skills are off the charts. They're elite. He genuinely cares about everyone he meets and talks to. I mean, uh, like my mom and dad are in, in town. He's probably met them one time, you know, once, once or twice and he knows their names, you know, and like, uh, make, it goes out of his way to go, you know, go talk to him and have a conversation and we're getting ready for practice. You know, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of human beings out there, especially in the role that he's in, that would even have the thought, you know, let alone do it um, and be real about it. So he's just, he's um, at the end of the day, he's an extremely, extremely, um, you know, high class, high value human being, you know, uh, to the nth degree. And he, the, um, you know, I mean, it, it works out really well for, for me, just in the sense that I think we see a lot of things, uh, eye to eye, if not identical. Um, so I think that's why our relationship works really well. You know, what's important to him is important to me and, and how we, 
you know, try and build teams and push kids and, and stuff like that. So it, it's a good marriage in that regard. Um, you know, and he's, he's very family oriented, which is obviously a, a big deal for me too. And, but yeah, man, he's, he's the best. And the, the kids, um, the kids can feel that and they know that he's real and everything that he pours into them comes from a place of love, you know, very, very much the, our own principle type of thing. And, um, you know, the, I think a lot of kids would hundred percent run through a wall for him. He's at the end of the day, he's a guy you'd want in your foxhole, you know? Um, yeah. So he's just, he's the best. Couldn't speak high enough. Of yeah. And you know, that's a characteristic that I think is common among coaches that started their career as a high school coach. I firmly believe that. And, you know, for, well, and thank you for the kind words, uh, comparing me to somebody, uh, like him. Um, my wife would probably disagree, but, <laughs> but, you know, when you're a high school coach, you're, you have to do everything. Um, and, you know, recruiting, uh, the, like you said, he was the powerlifting coach. So the guys spent time in the weight room and that's the way it is as a high school coach. And, uh, me personally, I wouldn't give anything for the amount of time that I spent in high school coaching. And, you know, one of the guys that, that used to talk to me about that a lot, and I, you could draw similar parallels between the two coaches is David Cutcliffe. Uh, you know, who was the great offensive coordinator, uh, you know, Coach Peyton and Eli at Tennessee and Ole Miss and, you know, had a great career at, um, at, at Duke. And he was the same way, uh, loved the weight room, uh, really worked hard at, you know, treating people the right way and stuff like that. So after watching all the videos of Coach McGuire on YouTube, I had to ask you about that because um, uh, he's, you know, the prototypical uh, uh, Texas high school football coach, you know, and those people are driven and they do a great job of managing people and managing programs. So I know you're going to be successful. Um, well, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, I can't keep you on here forever. And the bosses, the bosses at uh, the Moffitt Method and Guarantee Media, who does all of our editing and posting, you know, they, they get upset when I start going too long on these <laughs> podcasts. So they, you know, I had a couple that were two hours long. <laughs> and uh, they're like, Coach, you can't do that. So I have strived uh, to keep these things shorter. So, uh, I appreciate you uh, doing this for me. Uh, and I know how tough it is in season, man. Uh, so uh, I'm forever indebted for you uh, for coming on here and sharing uh, sharing your experiences with us. It means a lot to me. Well, it's the absolute least I can really do, Coach. I, uh, I'm forever indebted to, to you yeah. for many things. So um, anytime, anything yeah. you need, let me know. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, man. And do me a favor and tell Katie and the boys uh, that we said hello. It's great seeing them on Facebook. And uh, the boys are getting bigger and, and older, so don't blink. <laughs> I try not to. Thank you, and uh, do the same. Say Please say hi to all the Moffats for me. 
our whiff. All right, Lance, thank you very much. Thank you. This brings us to the end of today's podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please, if you haven't already done so, follow the podcast and share it with your friends. That's important. And if you have any questions about the Moffitt Method, our training solutions for all sports teams, organizations, and our new Moffitt Method one-to-one program for individuals who dare to train with us, go to our website, themoffettmethod.fit, or email us at info at themoffettmethod.fit. Have a great day, and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Moffitt Method podcast. Just head on over to themoffettmethod.fit. That's moffettmethod.fit. And please like and subscribe so you never miss out. That's all for this episode. See you next time on the Moffitt Method podcast.